Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. I'm Eric Flickinger, and we are continuing this week with our study of the book of Hebrews. This week, lesson number 11, entitled, Jesus, Author and Perfecter of Our Faith. With me today, once again, is the author of this quarter's Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide, and that is Dr. Felix Cortez. He is the Associate Professor of New Testament Literature at Andrews University. Pastor Felix, welcome back once again. Very happy to be here. So we've got Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I love some of the verses that we delve into in this week's lesson. And Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number two is such a powerful verse. There's so much in it. I know we won't be able to get everything this week out of this, uh, this particular verse because we need to spend time with other ones. But let's just, let's touch on it to begin with. Hebrews 12 verse two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher or author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus here is the author and finisher, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I think it stands to reason that that's important, but why is this concept that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith so critical to our understanding of Hebrews and our relationship with God? Well, we have said in previous uh, lessons that the people of Israel could not enter into the rest because they lacked faith. The desert generation didn't believe. They had the problem, their problem was unbelief. So what we need is faith. And what the author of Hebrews is saying, you know, if you want to look at an example, don't look at the desert generation. That was a bad example, example for lack of faith. Look instead to uh, this list of individuals, right? You have uh, there uh, a whole list of individuals, but the main, the center, the real model of faith is Jesus. And in what sense is Jesus the author and perfecter? You know, this expression, you go to the Bible, if you, if you go to um, begin to compare all the um, um, Bible versions, you're going to find that this expression, author and perfecter, is translated in many different ways. And the reason it's translated in many different ways is because the Greek words behind these expressions are really interesting. The first word, archegos, which is author, could be also understood as champion, okay? The champion of our faith or the beginner of, of the faith. Um, I think that one of the important reasons in which Jesus is the author of perfection, the author of our faith, is that he made us believe. When everything was lost, Jesus appeared and we say, hey, I think we can win this thing. I think we can be saved. He did it. So we can. You see, he made us believe. He's the author of faith in that sense. He's the finisher or perfecter of, of faith. Uh, the word teleioten probably refers to the fact that Jesus is the perfect example of what a life of faith is. In that sense, he's, he's the perfecter. Okay? The teleioten means perfecter, literally. So he perfects faith in the sense that he has provided the perfect example. If you want to see how to live a life of faith, to look at Jesus. Read the Gospels. Read the Star of Ages. I love that book. 
and, and, and read the Gospels and, 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 and just pour on the Bible. Says how he did things. How did, how did he make decisions? How he lived? Uh, how he triumphed? And, 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 and the, as you do that, you are following, you're fixing your eyes upon Jesus. So he's the author and, as you mentioned, the perfecter of our faith, that, that perfect picture of what faith looks like, what a life lived by faith looks like. And really, faith is undergirds the whole Christian experience, certainly from a Protestant perspective. You make mention on Sunday's lesson of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 39, which really emphasizes the importance of faith for the Christian. In Hebrews 10.35, Paul says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So endurance is involved in the Christian race. Uh, Then it says in verses 37 and 38, For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and will not tarry. And verse 38 is such a critical verse. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. The just shall live by faith. If Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith, why is it important for us as Christians also to live by faith. This, was, this is a, a, a verse quoted elsewhere in the Bible as well, or referenced elsewhere in the Bible, that really helped Martin Luther many years ago understand what the Christian walk was all about. Why is this concept of, of the just living by faith so critical for us? Well, the author is quoting here Habakkuk. And the problem with Habakkuk is that the promises of God, the prophecies of God were not being fulfilled. And, and, and Habakkuk is saying, you know, God, you, you, you did these prophecies, these promises. Why, why are they not being fulfilled? And God says to him, just in, in a few words, says to him, the promise is going to come. The prophecy is going to be fulfilled. And then he says, but my righteous one will live by faith. Now, there is a, let me give you a, a, a secret to some, uh, Eric, in, in that if you go to the Masoretic text, the expression is, the righteous one will live by my faith. Is, uh, sorry, uh, sorry that, is, that is not the Masoretic text. The Masoretic text says, the righteous one will live by his faith. But when the, uh, the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew original, it says, the righteous one will live by my faith. And you have here something very interesting. Paul does not mention neither, does not mention either of them. He doesn't say that the righteous one will live by his faith. He doesn't say that the righteous one will live by my faith. It just says that the righteous one will live by faith, period. Why I mention this? Because I think that in the end, both versions are correct. Because it is true, uh, as the Masoretic text, the righteous one will live by his faith. The righteous one needs to believe in God. 
needs to embrace with faith God's promises. If there is no faith, God cannot act. Faith is the way we open ourselves to God's action. But there is also another uh, reality. Faith means faithfulness. And what the author of, uh, what the Septuagint translator did it was, the righteous one will live, God says, by my faith. In other words, you are going to be saved because I will not give up. I will be faithful. I will continue to work in you uh, to save you. I am faithful, you see. And, and both things are true. Uh, when we get to heaven, people are always going to say to us, you know, why are you here? Well, because we, because uh, God or the angels said, because you accepted by faith uh, the, the message of Jesus. Jesus. But maybe we are going to say, well, yes, but really, really, we're here because God did not give up. God remained faithful. That's what First uh, Timothy 2.13 says, or 2 Timothy 2.13 says, uh, God cannot be unfaithful. He cannot stop being himself. Now, Paul will say that in, in Romans 1, 16 and 17, he says, you know, um, uh, for in it, in the gospel, in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In other words, what Paul is saying is that the gospel reveals that the gospel reveals the righteousness of God from faith, the faithfulness of God, God remaining faithful to his promises, to your faith. In other words, his faithfulness should have somehow a response, uh, an acceptance from you. And then the just shall live by faith involves both of them. God's faithfulness, my faith, my response, my acceptance. So that is very important. And by the way, uh, by the way, Eric, if we are careful, we're going to see that the first exemplars in this uh, uh, hall of fame, right, is we, believers. We are the first examples. Then will come Abel and Enoch and Noah and Moses but we are the first ones, and we're 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 mentioned twice. If you go to to if you go to Hebrews 10, uh, 10, 30, 10 32, look what it says there. Recall the former days in which you were illuminated. Remember the first things. Remember when you were faithful, and then verse eleven, verse three. By faith we understand. You see, in this list of by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, the first one is by faith, we understand. So we are the first examples. It is incredible. We are part of this Hall of Fame. You know, and usually when we hear about the Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11, we're talking about here, uh, the faith chapter, as it's often referred to, we don't often, at least I haven't heard frequently, the fact that we are lifted up in there. We always hear about Abraham and Abel and, and so on and so forth, but rarely do we hear about the role that we play in there. And ultimately, we need to be, to be a part of this chapter in order to continue to witness. I want to touch on Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to take a break in just a moment. But I want to take a look 
at just a few first few verses of Hebrews chapter 11 that are going to then launch us into what we're going to be talking about with these these greats of faith when we come back after our break. But Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we, as you just mentioned, understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So Hebrews chapter 11 here talks so much about faith. In fact, much of Hebrews speaks about faith. And we're going to be going through some of the people whose names are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, looking at their examples of living a life by faith, and then seeing how we, by the grace of God, through the strength of God, through allowing Jesus to live in our lives, can also live lives of faith that can be a powerful witness to those around us. But before we do that, I want to remind you, if you have not yet picked up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath School lesson, be sure to visit the It Is Written shop to do that. It is shop, and you will be able to find it there so that you can continue your study of the book of Hebrews in greater detail. We're going to take a look at the Hall of Fame of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, when we come back in just a moment. Hello, I'm Dr. Wes Youngberg, and I've just written a book called Memory Makeover, How to Prevent Alzheimer's and Reverse Cognitive Decline. This book is in story form. It's case studies of individuals that I've worked with and my colleagues have worked with where they've actually been able to stop cognitive decline, and 80% of the time have been able to reverse aspects of cognitive decline. If you want to know more about that, get the book Memory Makeover. So the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to be encouraged, this is a chapter to spend some time in. Uh, Pastor Felix, let's kind of walk through this Hall of Fame, this, this list, this cast of victors, if you will. God gives us a, a list of people here. Each one of them has something that we can that we can pull from it. Starting in verse 4, we've got Abel, then Enoch, and so forth. Walk us through why God has has impressed the author of Hebrews to put these people in this chapter. So, one of the things that we learned in, 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 is that faith it has to do with the things we hope for, right? Uh, things that are not seen. And all these um, heroes of faith, one way or another, ex- uh, exemplify what this means. Noah didn't see rain before, things not seen, yet he believed and he built an ark, right? Um, Abel, uh, you, you find there, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, because when Abel offered a, 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 a you know, a lamb, he was expressing his faith in the future lamb. The problem with Cain is that he offered the, the fruits of the land, of the earth, which were sacrifices of thanksgiving, but not sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin. You see, Abel was able to see beyond the lamb into the true lamb of God. So all of them, 
look in this way. The same happens with Abraham and the rest. Go beyond. Their sight goes beyond what we see right now to what it is, uh, the promises that God is going to fulfill in the future. So we've got Abel. We've got Enoch. Let's see. We also have here Noah, you mentioned. And then we get down to, to verse number eight, and it says, By faith, Abraham. What did Abraham, how did Abraham walk out in faith? And what lessons can we learn from, from his example? You see, Abraham is called the father of faith in, 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 by some people, right? Because he's, he's a, such an example. He left his city, right? Uh, left everything he knew to go into a land that he had not seen before, right? Things that he had not seen, as the, as the uh, verse 1 says, and he was able to trust in God. But you see, what makes really Abraham such an example of true faith is what happened when God asked him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. That was such a difficult test because, you see, it didn't make sense theologically. It didn't make sense in his relationship with God because God had told him that Isaac was the son of the promise, the son through whom the promises of God were going to be fulfilled. And now God is saying to him, you need to offer him as a sacrifice. And how is that? How is that uh, Abraham was able to to, to remain faithful to God. Well, you know, the, the passage says something very interesting. Verse 17 is, is verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, in of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the death from which he also received him in a figurative sense. It's interesting here, Eric, that the deliverance of Isaac is described in this passage as a parable, an illustration of resurrection. And it seems to me that this suggests how is that Abraham was able to, to make sense of this request. Because when, 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 when he was requested, he says, how is going to fulfill his promises as well as I fulfill the request? He came to the conclusion that God was going to re um, resurrect him. We need to remember that by that time, no one had been resurrected. And, um, but probably Abraham, looking into his past experience, remember he remembered that as far as having children, he and Sarah were deaf as far as having children was concerned. In fact, Romans 4 refers to the same thing, that Abraham and Sarah were dead as far as having children was concerned. And says, well, if we have children, even though we were dead regarding having children, means that God can raise from the dead people, right? So I think God is going to do the same with Isaac. You know, Eric, the same happens with us. When we face difficult challenge in our lives, I think we need to look to the past and we need to see how has God led us in the past. Sometimes God's deliverance, 
God's answers, God's guidance in the past contain the seeds that we need, the message that we need to find the answer for future uh, uh, tests. Uh, God never lets us be tested in a way for which we do not have the resources. God has not given us the resources to be faithful or to be successful in those tests. So this is a very beautiful example of faith. Beautiful picture of, of how Abraham is an example to us. Um, we've got such a short amount of time and so much to cover. Moses, here starting in verse number 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And you've got a section here of Hebrews 11 on Moses. Why is Moses selected as an example of the faithful? Well, Moses is a beautiful example because he's one of the most complete uh, types of Jesus. He says, verse uh, 20, 25, right? But was Moses was born son of the queen, right? Son of the king. But he refused to be called the son of a Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. This is a beautiful description of what Jesus did for us. Jesus is the son of the king. Jesus had everything. But Hebrews 2 says that he was not ashamed to be called our brother. And, and, and so Moses describes this, this idea of leaving behind, leaving behind uh, privilege in order to, to save, to help save other people. And, and, and so it's a beautiful example of what Jesus did for us. And what we need to do, we, we're going to um, study in future lessons this idea that we need to leave the camp. Just as Jesus was sacrificed outside the camp, we're going to talk about how Jesus, we need to go to him outside the camp. Just as Moses, leave the house, leave the privilege, and go to the place of suffering for the sake of others. So Moses is kind of a, an example of Jesus, and we've, we've seen that several times here. But then we get down to verse number 31, and it says, By faith the harlot Rahab. Now, it might be a little more of a challenge for us to say, okay, how is Rahab an example of the faithful? And yet here it is. So how do we make sense of, of Rahab being in this, uh, this list of illustrious individuals? Rahab, Rahab is an outstanding exemplar of faith because Rahab is the only woman, well, you have Sarah as well, but it is unclear whether Sarah alone is an example of faith or Sarah and Abraham are an example of faith. This is a grammatical issue that is not completely solved. But let's say that Sarah and Rahab are together. They are the only women there. But Rahab is the only one that is a Gentile. Even worse, she is a prostitute. So you have this unlikely hero. The idea is that if Rahab can be a hero. I can be a hero. You can be a hero. That is, that is one element that we need to understand. But there is another important element here. If you, if, you, if you look at the rhetorical shape of Revelation, sorry, Hebrews 11, you're going to find that this repetition by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, is like going up, going up a, 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 a mountain. And when you go to the top, 
You see, Hebrews 11 says, by faith, they pass through the Red Sea as by dry land. You know, they are going to enter into the, into the promised land. And then you're expecting the next verse, verse 30, you're expecting by faith, Joshua led them into the promised land. But instead of Joshua, you have by faith, Rahab. Rahab! What is Rahab doing there? Right? That, that is an interesting issue. It is, she's at the top, at, at, at the climax of chapter 11. The climax of the whole thing is Jesus in chapter 12. But in chapter 11, she's at the climax. Because right after her, then the author says, And what more shall I say? For the time well failed me to tell of Gideon, Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, etc. It's like going the other side of the mountain. You're rushing down the mountain, you see. Just up and down. So Rahab is in, is in the climax. Why Rahab? That has been discussed by people. Once I heard a friend of mine in a meeting describe why Rahab was probably in the climax. And he said that probably is because the confession of faith of Rahab. If you go to Joshua 2.19, you're going to 2.9 through 11. Rahab is going to say, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the kings of the Amorites. You see, Rahab said, we didn't see it. We didn't see the plagues in Egypt. We didn't see the crossing in the Red Sea. We didn't see uh, the column of fire in the desert. We didn't see the clouds covering the sun. We didn't see the, we, the, 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 the water going through the camp. Everywhere they camped, there was water. We didn't see the manna. We didn't eat of it. But we heard and we believed. Interesting. Now, the people, the desert generation, saw all of that. They ate the bread. They drank the water. They lived under the, sh- under the cloud. They saw the column of fire every night. And they didn't believe. She didn't see, but believe. That's why she's such a hero of faith. And, and that is probably an important um, message for the audience of Hebrews. Because the audience of Hebrews, the author says that they didn't see Jesus. The message of the gospel was reported through them, to them for, by those who saw, by those who heard the message from the, from the Messiah. But they heard. They need to believe just as Rahab believed. We were not there to see Jesus personally, but like Rahab, we need to believe. And we need to be saved just like she was. That is our privilege. We need to do that. And Hebrews 11 leads us, as you mentioned, right into Hebrews 12, which points us to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I'm encouraged to know that I'm in Hebrews chapter 11, and I hope that you are encouraged to know that you are in Hebrews chapter 11 amongst this list of, in, of illustrious individuals. God loves you just as much as he does them. Thank you so much for joining us for Sabbath School. Once again, we're going to be back again next week, and we look forward to having you join us as well. God bless you.